Hello, and welcome to the Worth the Watch podcast. While there are plenty of movie review podcasts out there, our goal is not to be that. This is supposed to be a fun look back at movies from our past that we have enjoyed. We just want to fill that place between your ears for about an hour. Make your commute to work a little more tolerable, or let you reflect on a movie that you may have seen. Movies can make us laugh and cry, make us cringe in fear, or be a shot of adrenaline. We watch them in theaters with total strangers, at home with friends and family, or on Sundays when it's on cable for the 300th time. When One We Love comes on TV, we get excited. It's almost like, hey, someone else likes this movie too. So if you like what we do, let us know. Follow us on Twitter at WorthTheWatchPC, again, at WorthTheWatchPC, or email us at WorthTheWatchPodcast at gmail.com. Make suggestions of movies you love and want to hear. Tell us what areas you want us to cover. Please keep things clean. We have families who don't want them to be worried about us. Please remember, this is all in good fun, and if something on here offends you, tough shit. Get over it and find something else to be upset about. As we get ready for the seventh and final game of the Stanley Cup Finals, you can feel the electricity in the air, and there's no question, it just sends a chill up your spine, Paul. Don't leave your seats. Too good. 911 emergency services. I'm calling you from the Civic Arena. The vice president is being held hostage in the owner's box. And they've got my daughter too. What is your objective? One billion seven hundred million dollars. They want money, a lot of it. Give it to them. Tonight, 17,000 hockey fans have been taken hostage. Enough bombs have been planted in this building to stop all the clocks in the hemisphere. But only one of them knows it. I'm gonna try to stop you. I know where the bombs are, so I know where you're going. Then come and get me. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Powers Boost, Sudden Death. Welcome to the Worth the Watch podcast. I am your host, Ed Palilla. Here with me for every uh, podcast will be Mike Kennedy. Ed made me do it. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited for this week's episode. We have a special guest with us, Mr. Adam Knave. Hello. Uh, we're reviewing the 1995 action thriller, Sudden Death. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, first, I want to get into a little bit. This movie, we picked this movie because we thought about this about a month and month and a half ago. And we thought the Penguins would still be in the playoffs. And they are not as of today. Uh, we are in the Eastern Conference Finals. My original thought on the Pens not finishing a third in a row Stanley Cup is, yeah, that was probably not going to happen. Um, it wasn't that shocking. Um, I, I was disappointed, but I'm not going to complain at all about it. I, I looked up some – what's that? Sorry, go ahead. No, I'll say um, just some quick numbers on it that, that I saw. No team has repeated three Stanley Cups in a row since ni- at least 1984. Um, I think that was the Islanders that did it back then. Um, n- no, the a little fun fact for you. The they only actually, players ever oh. to win. What's that? They actually won four in a row. Islanders? Well, there you go. So that early Islanders team, whenever all, most of the other teams in the NHL were awful. The Again, and no salary cap. Uh, right. The only teams to win back-to-back Stanley Cups in that time frame are the Penguins with the Red Wings, I want to say, in like 98, 99-ish, and then again the Penguins the last year. And the only players ever to win back-to-back Conn Smythe trophy since I started calling it the Conn Smythe are Lemieux and Crosby. 
So he could have even gone for three, and he probably would have won it had they made that run. Um, he was could playing pretty well. For Gensel, who still leads the league in points right now today. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, then, yeah, that would have been, uh, that would have been pretty interesting. Uh, another thing, I went and looked back between October 2015 when the season started and today – they paid. They played 307 regular season and playoff games in three years. Two and so it, it's no surprise they finally got worn out. Uh, yeah. Between you know, it wasn't that good of a season. Their defense was weak. Murray's dad died, so that threw a lot off. So he had injured. He had like a broken wrist too, and a concussion, I believe. Maybe. Um, yeah. They they, they were just beat up. Yeah. They but. They made it further than I thought they would. Uh, I shouldn't say that on a recording, but <laughs> when they opened with Philadelphia, I, I, they had to win. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my thought was, if they lost to Washington or Columbus, at least those are good teams. Philly was not good. And to be honest, even if when it was during last round, I didn't give Washington or Pittsburgh any chance against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I'm very surprised Washington's going toe to toe with Tampa. Uh, looking into next year, so assuming uh, – I'm going to make an assumption here. So the salary cap for 2016-17 I'm sorry, 2017-18 was $75 million. And it went up $2 million between 2016 and 2017. So that would put it at $77 million. The Pens would be at about $7.5 million in cap space, which makes them the second least amount of cap space going into next year. I'm going to throw something out there, and Dave, you, you may want to agree or disagree on this. Latang getting traded, it's, it's the major rumor rate. Well, that's what they say, but you don't trade when their stock is low. I don't know. Well, here, consider this. Consider this. So I looked. Uh, teams with tons of cap, because Latang's cap hit for the next like four years is $7.25 million. Gigantic. Yes, it's massive. I think he's third on the team. So there are 10 teams with at least, I think, $30 million in cap space or more, including Carolina, Vegas, Toronto, Colorado, the Rangers, Vancouver, Arizona, Winnipeg, and Buffalo. If Vegas Pittsburgh, and Winnipeg, that's insane. Yeah, I know. Vegas right. and Winnipeg. And uh, Toronto. Toronto finished like fifth in the league in points. So yeah. if a team like... Winnipeg, Vegas, or Toronto was looking to shore up their defense. They might be able to move them. Or what they might be able to look into is someone like Carolina, Colorado, Arizona, Buffalo. And I'm throwing this out there. If the Pens were willing to go Latang and one of their backup goalies, like the Smith or um, Jari and move him to a team who was willing to take then and go a three-way trade with Ottawa and Ottawa send Eric Carlson to Pittsburgh. No. It's a stretch. That's a stretch. But Also uh, doesn't solve anything because his cap number is huge too. That is, is six and a half. But they'd have to probably eat like a million of Latang's number. So they'd still have a ton of cap but at least they'd have a better defenseman. My thought, yeah. but Anyways, Michael, anything else you want to add in? Or Adam, you want anything else you want to add in? That's just my thought on the season. I didn't really no, do much. I, 
to be honest, if they went one and eighty-one this season, you still can't get mad at them. They won back-to-back cups. Oh, I agree with that. <laughs> I'd be mad at them if they went one and eighty-one. <laughs> I would have been mad. It's just I would have forgiven them immediately. Yeah, because you win back-to-back cups in this in this era. It's quite impressive. So. All right, so on to the movie. That's enough enough hockey talk. I, I talked everyone's ear off. But so those of you that are Penguins fans, take to the heart. Those of you who aren't, you you learned a little something today. So back to the movie. Sudden Death premiered uh, December twenty second, nineteen ninety five. You guys want to take a guess at what the Rotten Tomatoes score and audience score was out of a hundred percent? It's higher than you think. I was actually surprised by this. Fifty five. Adam, 51. 54 for the Rotten Tomato uh, score. I was actually very surprised with that. The audience score, though, 38%. Usually it's when a movie like this comes out, it's usually the other way around. Critics beat up on it, and the audience, including the three people on this on this podcast, and it drags it much higher. You'd be like, that, that happened to be the way it was. Uh, IMDb score, 7 out of 10. Eh, it's been a little road, so. That's about right. Um, the tagline for the movie: This is one of the heard. Uh, terror goes into overtime. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll get into the cast. Numero Van Dam plays Darren Mac McCord. Uh, this is Adam. I mean, um, Ed. If you want to know, his full name is Darren Francis Thomas McCord. Yes, <laughs> that's very. We <laughs> learned that in the movie. He we yes. Are- his daughter manages to rattle it off at speed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next and a very powerful character in this movie, no pun intended. The recently deceased, sadly powers booth plays Joshua Foss, who he died May 17th, 2017, 17th, 2017, of pancreatic cancer. So almost one year to, uh, I think he went pretty quickly because it was you didn't really hear anything about him, and then suddenly he was gone. And normally pancreatic something that goes quick. But um, that name you mentioned is not mentioned in the movie. I that, that's right. They don't ever actually say his name, so it's just in the credits. They credit him as Joshua Foss, but they never actually say anything about his name. I guess the name Powers Booth was already taken. From yeah, <laughs> they should have just it's called him sad. Powers Booth. It's sad that it's his real name. That would be a great movie villain name. Oh yeah, it would have been awesome. So I wanted to do something new this week and pick one actor or actress from the movie and pick their five appearances. So it could be movies they've been in. It could be television shows they've been on, even something like um, a weird like sketch thing they've done, like SNL or, or something like that that was really good and, and really entertaining. So we picked Powers Booth. For this movie, um, I'm going to go in in my reverse order, and I, I'm not really going off of which one's the best movie. I'm just going to go off with the best Powers Booth appearance. So I'll, I'll name each one off. Let's talk about them, and then as we go, I guess you can name yours off if if you have one too. Number five. Uh, oh, and well, I'll just say number five, McGruber. If you've seen McGruber, he he's got a short part, but he's pretty funny in it. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty funny. Um, number four, I have Sin City when he plays Senator Rourke. Yeah, he was perfect for that. 
number three, 24, President Noah Daniels, one of the many, many, many shitty, uh, corrupt presidents that they have. Uh, number two, I have in sudden death as Joshua Foss. And number one, it doesn't get better than Tombstone. And he plays Curly Bill. Thoughts on that? My Adam list was identical to Ed's, except number five. I had the show Nashville that my wife is uh, <laughs> avid fan of. Yeah, but... Aaron's a big fan of too. I I never watched it with him on it, but he was the mayor. He's like the main dad. He's like always has a like a highball glass of whiskey in his hand. <laughs> yeah. He's the perfect like rich Nashville guy. He, yeah, I, he, I could see him being that. That's like a perfect spot I, for him. I actually forgot that he was in MacGruber. I saw it on IMDb, but I forgot where he fit in, so I didn't put it there. Yeah, he's like the colonel that was his, like, I, I would call it his handler, but that's kind of what he is. Yeah. yeah. I remember now that you're talking about it. But, yeah. Uh, he's got a really funny line, and uh, I, I'd have to look it up. But um, uh, Curly Bill, he has enough in that movie that it would it would span the other five, but. I'll yeah. let Michael get into his. Yeah, Mike, go ahead with yours. I just, I literally list the top, like, same thing, like, top five. Didn't really, the top one is definitely Tombstone for me, agreeing with you guys that the, the bottom four, they kind of could go, you could shift them around a little bit. Have Red Dawn. And that's, uh, I've never actually seen Red Dawn, amazingly. Oh, and my God, Edward. I, <laughs> It's one of those 80s movies that I never saw it when I was a kid, and then I just never saw it. I somehow, being sitting around YouTube for the last it's 25 years, booth. I never saw it. It's got Powers Booth. It's got Swayze. It's got Sheen. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> I know. And it's, it's amazing. I've never seen it somehow. I've, I've managed to avoid it, I guess, and all this. And I actually was looking on IMDb, and I saw some of the one-liners he has in it. and They look pretty funny. So I'm kind of mad I missed it. But so, I, I, I also have Sin City. I also have Sudden Death, but I also have this movie. I don't know if either of you have seen it. Is Frailty? I have not seen that. It's I got, feel like I have. It has, it has uh, Matthew McConaughey's in it, and he plays like a. I can say he plays an FBI agent. Powers Booth plays an FBI agent, and kind of Matthew McConaughey comes in and talks about his childhood, and Bill Paxton's in it. Bill Paxton plays Matthew McConaughey's like. As when he's younger, his father and his father, Bill Paxton, like wakes up and has like all these visions about like God told me to do this, God told me that, and he's like telling him to kill people. And then he's like telling Powers Booth about this, and then like the whole thing, like plot plot twist, like actually he's like not turning his dad in. Powers Booth is one of the guys he's supposed to kill and like lure in. He's like instead of admitting all this, it's it's a pretty, it's got a lot of twists. Like that. Spoiler pretty- alert! <laughs> yeah, no, I think Paxton it's better. Is, I think it's. Uh, better. Another you, 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 you've seen it. If you haven't seen it yet, it came out in 2001. Both of you can eat a dick. Yeah, I was joking. Mike. <laughs> what were you saying, Adam? I said Bill Paxton's another sad recent casualty. Yes, yes, also another sad recent casualty. R.I.P. I think what's going to happen is we're going to just gone, the, sir. There's so many. Um, there's so many celebrities now that there's not more people are not dying. Just more people are considered famous. <laughs> so uh, I got. Th- one, two, three, four more characters. Uh, Raymond J. Barry plays vice president. That's his name <laughs> in the credits. They actually say his name in the movie, and I forget what it is. But in the credits, his name is vice president. Uh, well, the, the writers were just 
out of this world for this movie. Yeah, didn't even mention the villain's <laughs> name anymore. <laughs> anywhere in the entire movie. No one ever turned to him and goes, no Foss, one says or anything. Just, hey, <laughs> Joshua. Yeah, hey, Joshua. Hey, Foss, knock it off, though. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, the only thing I remember him from is he was the dad from Justified. Yeah. And he played the perfect, like, shitty, drunken, loser dad that you hate. Backwood, Kentucky. Yeah, backwood, Kentucky guy. Someone named Ross Mallinger played Tyler. And he was in Kindergarten Cop in Seattle. So he had, like, a little oh, run there. He was... I have one other one that you would recognize him in. He was in uh, the Serenity Now episode of Seinfeld. Oh. He was uh, Mr. Libman's son. He has the bar mitzvah, and Elaine gets him boggle. He says, you know, first I was supposed to get all these great presents. Somebody gave me boggle. And then he kisses Elaine and, you know, screams, I'm a man. (laughs) You know. But I I only remember him from that. And Sleepless in Seattle. I saw on IMDb that he was in Kindergarten Cop, but I don't remember him. He's just probably one of the kids. So uh, last two, uh, someone named Whitney Wright and spelled the dumbest way possible. Possible W-H-I-T-T-I-N-I Wright plays Emily. Um, her career ended shortly after this. I think that was probably best for everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The world didn't shed a tear. And then uh, Dorian Harewood played Hallmark, the Secret Service agent that turns out to be dirty. Is that a cool name or a horrible name? Hallmark. Hallmark or the, his real they, name? They, they say his first name in the movie. I wasn't really paying attention. I just wrote down Hallmark. But they say his first name in it, too. What, do you send in a card, douche? Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I, not a, not I a like fan. the idea you know, the last name, you know, the first name. Well, I mean, just, you know, you refer to a tough guy as one name. Oh yeah. That's just how it goes. And you answer the phone by that name. Just saying your last name. Yeah. He was good in, um, full metal jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama black snake. (laughs) Yeah. He was solid. We're going to do what we did last week. We think it worked pretty well. Uh, we broke this movie into four different pieces, and this movie fits very conveniently as four different breaks, which is everything from the start of the movie up to the end of the first period, first and the second, second and the third, and then everything from overtime through the end of the movie. Kind of nice little cameo or transitional cuts. They're not weighed evenly. There's a lot more stuff in the beginning, a lot more stuff at the end versus in, in between. Um, so... I'm, I'm going to try and give some high-level stuff. Guys, please jump in. I, I know I'm going to be missing some things because I kind of added some stuff at the end to talk about versus talk about during um, some of these scenes. So They do the standard 90s action movie scene to start out, which is unrelated event <laughs> opening the movie. They did it in Cliffhanger. Uh, I'm trying to think of other movies that they did it with. Um, but it's like they have this little thing that sets the scene and this sadly... Tragically, this girl dies. Yeah. They didn't do a good job making her look dead. She, uh, she looked no, like a, a doll. Very weird. I, I really never seen a dead person in real life, Ed. So I don't know someone who's freshly dead. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it looked like she could have just suffocated. You know, yeah. like, I don't really know. You know, you'd look yeah. like a normal person even if you suffocated. Yeah. Then it's cut to set up for the game. Uh, well, you're, you're glancing over another 90s cliche where the event was so traumatic that he's he's this like dark 
messed up guy forever and he ruins his family life. That's true. And then That's true. some stable guy takes over, you know. He's, no, he's like, plowing his wife. <laughs> buying his kid a hockey stick. Like, mm-hmm. he's got a real job. He's, you know. I can think of several movies where it's always that way. Like, yeah. oh, he's he's just so invested in that. that he was, he a, beat, he was a beaten man. <laughs> yeah. Some of the other highlights... He, as we said, he uh, buys tickets for his kids or gets tickets for his, his kids to go to the game because he's going to be the fire marshal at the game. Um, he wa- he walks through, walks in front of everybody in security. He pulls that power move, which I like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there is there walk with like his knees out. Like, yeah, <laughs> his walk down the ramp. Uh, there are some really good lines from here that I'm going to throw in there, but I want to come back around to them. Uh, you get a nice locker room shot. You get a uh, an older woman taken hostage in a in probably the worst, most ridiculous way possible, which he just walks up to her in the yard, pulls a gun, and says, we're going to go in your house now. I'm, your, I'm pretending I'm your favorite nephew, uh, which I have some things on him, too. A... Extremely old Italian dude who happens to still be the chef, but is forced to allow Powers Booth and his men upstairs. One of those, um, we're going to kill your wife, and then they end up killing her and him anyways, which you saw that coming the whole whole way. And then a very good scene in the box as Powers Booth takes control of the box and starts making all his demands and stuff. Um, I think that is probably the best scene in the movie, but we'll get into that later. Oh, and also you get Jeff Jimerson singing the national anthem with hair like I've never seen before in my entire life. Sweet 90s hair. <laughs> oh, it is. It is outrageous. I actually, when I saw it, but wow, look at the hair on that guy. I wonder who they got to sing it. And then I read later that it was actually was the infamous Jeff Jimerson. That hair is, I, I can't even function like looking at it. He's still trying to cling to it. It's he such is. a like blatant dye job. Like uh, he is, but it was it was so feathered. Oh yeah. I mean, it it stood twelve inches off like, the top uh, of his head. My wife's into country. Do you know who Marty Stewart is? Negative. Well, if you Google that, people that are listening can Google Marty Stewart. That's what it looks like. <laughs> All right. So um, I know I missed some stuff in there. I, I have some some random notes and things and some quotes. But are there any bullet points that you think I missed? Any beats up until? Well, we, we pretty much went from McCord. You kind of cut to after he's has his little issue with the child dying on him and it cuts back to a few, like, you know, I think it's like two years later or something like that. Yeah, two and, hours, or two years later, four hours to basically. Yeah, four hours to game day. <laughs> cuts, cuts to game day. Hall, hallmark your head. All, all it says is game day. Yeah. yeah. Elaborate anyway. Um, you know, you, you got Hallmark, the head of security for the VP, you know, doing his little checks and balances and everything like that. You know, I love how the, you know, you have like, the, the the bad guys come in, they run in the back of that there's like security guards and he's like, Sorry, my dog's missing. We're out here looking for him. Is it bad? And the guy's like, Yeah, what that they pull guns and they're like, Hey, by the way, we're 
we're going to steal your car. Don't get killed over it. And then they kill him anyways. There's a great line right there. He goes, is it bad? He goes, what do you think? This might be good. <laughs> yeah, that was what I had as my favorite line. When we get to that <laughs> That's a good one to keep chambered if you ever get rear-ended. Well, it's like, but, they, it's like they speed up and just ram them. It's not even like a rear end. And they're just like, oh, my bad. We're looking for a dog. <laughs> yeah, they, it is pretty bad. It is pretty yeah. bad. The, I think that when they wrote this script, they, there was a lot of, uh, ah, fuck it. <laughs> we're, just, <laughs> we're out of energy writing this. I'm tired. It's, it's 4 a.m. I'm done. Something else that I didn't know where would fit into our little structure here. When they're firing those guns, like what gun makes that sound? And it, made me think it's like that same stupid sound that was in time cop. And then as I was looking into it, it's the same director, this Peter Hyam directed sudden death and time cop. And so I think, they just think he probably just used in the same, sound. the same audio. Yeah. I mean, they're supposed to have suppressors. So they sound a little differently than, than a normal gun, but you're right. They sound like, like it's yeah, very, like very stupid little. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like you're shooting a BB gun. So, yeah. so pretty much now, the bad guys have access yes. to get in the game. Well, we can get we can get into the game now. Before that, why why did they put Powers Booth puts that little explosive penguin on the table? Yeah, like what, <laughs> okay. what was the point of that? Yeah, <laughs> what did that accomplish? You know, it's just it was for. I like how he, he sets the timer and everyone just stares at him for like three seconds. Like what? Are, what, are, what are we supposed to do? Oh yeah, maybe we should run. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you're right. You had, you, you had like the whole. He goes to his ex-wife's house unannounced. She's all pissed at him, and like he's like, "Oh, hey, I got tickets to this hockey game," and she's just like, kind of cranky. like allows him, even though she kind of knows like they're going to be unsupervised while they're there because he's got to work. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't get this girl is very time. young to be going, you know, by themselves. <laughs> well, how old would you guess they were in the movie? Like eight and no, probably ten and eight. I say something like that. Ten and seven, something like that. You know, something around there. Yeah, so so not pretty enough. young to be, not not too young to be at the game, but pretty young to have the only other person there is her ten year old brother. I mean, something that I know about the bad guys in this is they love fucking popcorn. <laughs> they do love some popcorn. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they load up the popcorn, they load up guns, and then they take that little minute, you know, set the little minute timer. To explode that officially licensed penguin merchandise that they found there. <sighs> Completely ridiculous. Um, I, another, uh, two other things that I noticed. One, shout out to ESPN and the NHL Tonight music. Oh my God, um, I love the music. Yeah, as soon as I'm I heard it, I was like, oh, there's a flashback. <laughs> like Super Nintendo, it just like, uh, it was like a loop in my brain. I remember those like goalie masks and they'd like, pull away from each other a little bit, they crash into each other yeah. and it's an explosion. And then like, that's what brings in the announcers. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little, a uh, little tip of the cap to John Butchergrass in, in NHL tonight. <laughs> also, I, I like the line that well, you were saying when Hallmark was setting up security and the other guy is a dick and, and is not happy about it. He goes, I didn't even vote for the guy. And Hallmark responds, that's what makes what you're doing such a special gesture. <laughs> I thought it was like a perfect line to, to fire back with. Yeah, Hallmark was solid because when he goes in later in the movie, it's like he says, "What?" It's something like, "What? What are we gonna say?" And he's, Tell my wife that the gravy train's ending. Or yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so we were we were talking about we were at Jean Claude is you know he skips the line and goes in and, and you got Emily McCord and her damn little stamp that she uses the whole time. Roll stamper. Key to the plot points. And then one of the guys like, "Can you hurry up?" He's like, "Excuse me, here I'm getting a stamp. <laughs> get a stamp, guys. Shut the fuck up." <laughs> I never saw a seventy-eight year old dude get killed. I don't remember the movie really again. No. I think he just was working the door, you know. That yeah. was his job. He didn't do anything. But you know, uh John Claude hands his hands his little girl off to Joan, who's icy or iceberg or whatever. Yeah, that, that's something I wrote down. They they the jersey says iceberg. But they call him icy. They Her call him icy. icy. Yeah, they keep calling him icy and I don't it, get it. I, I I don't either. I think maybe they maybe they had to, maybe for movie rights or something. I don't know. But I mean, he did that. He did that, you know, so he could take his son into the locker room, so you could see the players. And I was the whole time I was in there. I was like, they're showing like Luke Robitaille when they get into the locker room, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a big name player. But I'm like, where's like Hi. Yami Mugger? And I was this like, I know Lemieux wasn't there because that was the year Lemieux didn't play because of medical reasons. Is that when well, he had was that was the uh, lymphoma, this, or was that the back? It was, it was back. He took the year off because he came back from back slash lymphoma and like only played a couple like twenty games or something like that 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 next year. So he took the next year off and he came back because the following year he played seventy games and scored one hundred and sixty nine points. I wrote that down. Jeez, oh man! Because Yager and Yager played the full season, scored one hundred and forty nine points, <laughs> and runs Francis. Had seventy-seven games and scored one hundred nineteen points. I was just like, I was like, holy shit! So what would that have been? Ninety-six. That the, this no. was I searched the ninety-five, ninety-six season, and then I realized I was like, wait, this would have been ninety-four, ninety-five, probably. Okay, yeah, ninety-four, ninety-five. They were really yeah, good too. Well, this Lemieux didn't play, so they, they were missing a few players. So I was like, okay. This but, movie um, was filmed during the lockout. Yes, it was. Right. That's correct, Adam. Um, but to your point. You know, even when I was a kid, I had a problem with this, like Luke Robitaille's the stud. It'd be like if they shot it now, no Crosby, no Malkin. It'd be like Connor Sheary is the stud. <laughs> like Some like role player that's like decent. Because Luke Robitaille is going to be a Hall of Famer, but he, he proved most of his points and stuff in, in Los Angeles. Like they have a statue for him in Los Angeles. That was after he left Pittsburgh. But I, I think they just needed a French Canadian guy that he could talk to. That's probably true too. So but. he could say the F word in French. <laughs> Great thing about right. Jean Claude Van Damme, he's not French. He's from Belgium. Yeah. He's the muscle Brussels, bro. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Who are you talking to, Ed? We know that. Yeah, I know, but I mean it's just funny that he's always thought of as the French guy and he's not French. He's from Belgium. Well, let's get back to this plot here. Yes, yeah, so, so- Make way. Um, so they're they're in the locker room. He meets Robitaille. He speaks to him in his, you know, in French and tongue. And Robitaille tells him we're gonna fuck him up. The kid's like, "What do you say?" He's like, ah, "They're gonna win, pretty much. <laughs> like they're gonna do a good job." But here's what I like is so then he goes, "Oh, that's Brad Tolliver." And I go to his face. <laughs> he's like, "Dad, he doesn't have a rocking chair." And I'm like, "Okay, kid, you're you're a little shit." Yeah, my dad said you should be sitting in a rocking chair instead of on the ice. And I'm like, dumb kid. But I don't know if you caught this, Adam or Ed, but Brad Culliver is Jay Caulfield. Yep. 
I knew he looks up. familiar. I knew he looks familiar. Oh, come on, Ed. Jay Caulfield, Jay's Telestrator. Come on. Is he still missing the tooth? Yes. I feel like, I feel like he got he goes that out fixed of his way TV. to lean to the camera to, to do yeah. that. It's like he does this weird little turn to show you his tooth or lack thereof. Good old Jay Caulfield. He's pretty beefy in that shot, though. Yeah. Well, he was. he was. He was like an enforcer. He was a like yeah. an absolute goon. He was just there to like protect Lemieux. Speaking of um uh, of TV personalities, shout out to Mike Lang and Paul Staggerwald too. They yeah. both um have aged a lot in twenty three years. Oh, yeah. Mike Lang look. I don't know if you've seen Mike Lang recently. He looks terrible. He looks like death. Yeah, Staggerwald looks like he would twenty year twenty some years yeah. later. Yeah, Mike Lang looks like death. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, 50-year anniversary thing they did. Um, no. I, yeah, I it, it was pretty cool. Pittsburgh they did it. Well, it was, they did this, like, two-hour-long thing, and it, they do a lot of interviews of Mike Lang and a lot of interviews of Mark Madden, and I don't know which one looks worse. Mark Madden yeah. looks like if Michael McDonald had died six years ago. <laughs> well, speaking of stars who were missing from the movie brad tolliver was based on tom barrasso who should have been well i guess it was appropriate because barrasso by all accounts was a huge dick in person so i guess caulfield probably did a nice job as far as of being being a huge dick yeah <laughs> yeah well but, wasn't the barrasso the backup that goes in for like two, no, no. two right yeah that's right ken reagan that's right ken reagan. Picture of a backup i'm sorry years but Barrasso mm-hmm. accrued all the wins. Like he's he's one that had all the records that Flurry eventually broke. Now Flurry has most relevant Penguin records. So we, we we meet the chef because they meet back up with the daughter. They get to, they go meet the chef. And this is where they have the whole little light bulb exchange, and the daughter's all concerned. Her daughter's a, a dad's a schmuck, and he's changing light bulbs for a living now. But you know, fortunately, the son has the great line: "Like firemen don't do that kind of stuff." These kids are terrible. Yeah, That's my again, response to that. Again, again, cut to the bad guys moving their popcorn because they love popcorn inside the building. And I'm assuming around this time, they, this is when the bad guys, they got in the building, so they're like rigging the C4 all over the place. Then, cut to your Tuckerman. Why don't you put on a jock? <laughs> Place this jock on head. Well, at least you're covering the right head. Yes, yes. That's um, it. Oh, That's and there's also thing. an all Samuelson can. The jersey hanging next to him says Samuelson on the back, number five. Yeah, there's a, there's a few of them, like Ulf Samuelson, number five, Larry Murphy, 55, um, you catch Yager, 68. Yeah, I'll say there, there's a stat about Yager. I'll get into when we get into the, the, the internet facts, but uh, you, Yager you see on the ice, but you obviously don't see him in the locker room. They're, they're going to have the players' jerseys, obviously. They're just not the players in the game. Eh, they could have had completely well, random names, to too. That- if they agreed to use their likeness, like why not just have them in the movie? It made me mad when I was a kid. Um, I'm over it now. I would say. So, um, you want to get into the hostage taking next, Kennedy? Well, that next. You know, VP comes in. I just like his little line when he's like addressing the team, and he's just like looks at Tucker and he goes, "Nice out, Tucker," because he's still wearing the jock on his head. Yeah, <laughs> butt naked, wearing a jock on his head. Um. So yeah, like we said, the chef's wife was kidnapped. So they made they made the. Whole call. She talks to her husband, saying, "Hey, you got to let these guys up in the president's box, or I'm going to kill your wife." So obviously, immediately hangs up the phone. 
boom, Powers Booth is there with his little henchmen. Let's go up. Okay, yeah, they're with me. Let's go up. Three things in there. Number one, the guy who takes her hostage is rocking a single dangly cross earring in one earring. Pure George Michael. Like, exactly George. And he asks for cookies. He asks for cookies. Yeah. Number two, this drives me crazier than anything in a movie. Dial 555 blank, 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 blank. I, I can't stand it when they do it in a movie. It takes everything right out of context. I wasn't exactly sucked into sudden death, but when you're <laughs> watching like 24 and they have to dial a number and it's 555. So I watch this thing about why they do it. It used to be when you dialed a number, the first three numbers were supposed to be the first two letters on the phone of the location you were calling. So if it was Pittsburgh, it'd be P.I. something. And that's when you told the operator what it was. So it'd be like, give me P.I. 61234. So if you called Klondike 5, because Klondike, Alaska, was a very, very unused number. And that's where 555 came from. I understand why they do it in movies, because they can't number and then have people calling it. However... If you are a movie, why would you not buy up 25 phone numbers and then have a number dial, you know, three, four, five, six, but a real number, say like seven, six, three, eight, nine, oh, four, say it in the movie. And then when you actually, if, if some 16 year old asshole says, well, I'm going to call that number, have it be like a just a robotic call line saying, thanks for calling the sudden death hotline. Make sure you follow up with this and follow this and follow that. Boom, done. And then you don't have to have that annoying thing in a movie. It can't cost very much. Agreed? <laughs> like if it's a TV show like 24. If, if, if it was that easy yet, they would have done it already. But Obviously fine. not. How hard is it to have a phone number with, with a robo response? I feel like it, it's, it should be there. It's just they, don't, they won't do it because a lot of people won't sign off. The lawyers won't sign off on it because they know oh, it could be so-and-so's phone number. But if you just gave the area code of the and it's, it's like the Jenny 8675309 number. People started calling that and asking for Jenny, of course. Use it as a lot number. Yeah. Yes, use it as a lot number when you are doing uh, work. Um, and – Lastly, more, more importantly to me, Ed, is how tough this old lady acts and cocky she does the whole time. But as soon as she makes the phone call, she is like scared and terrified. Yeah, the whole time. And then gets then you get shot and killed. I mean, well, I'm saying like she's she is like joking around with him. Like, can you give me cookies? She's like, I think I have some fig newtons. And then she's like be, trying to be careful with her, and she goes. I keep my machine gun in the like freezer or something. Yeah, I can't remember. You think like she's gonna fight back or or maybe do something? No, nothing. She does nothing. You're right. She completely buckles under the pressure. So you know, the bad guys take over the VP box. The chef's wife is killed during the national anthem. Don't they know that's gonna be like bad juju or something? Now Powers Booth enters the VP box after they take it over, please. He needs a doctor. Boom, boom. Not anymore. 
go ahead. Dead heroes get the best funerals. That those two are my favorite lines, and then the next one right after it, which the vice president goes. His name was Eddie K. Line. He's a five-year-old boy, a three-year-old girl, and his wife's pregnant. And Powers Booth leans over and just goes, "I'll send a card." Yeah, that, he also, that was perfect. After he shoots the chef, they're all like, "Freak out!" He goes, "His wife's recently deceased. He would have been lonely." Yeah, <laughs> he's just—he's great. Powers Aren't Booth is great in this. Yeah, yes. I like when he goes. What's your objective? And he's like, my objective. He's like, <laughs> I get all, I get funny all over when you talk like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, just take the line. It's like, what kind of lunatic are you? He's like, <laughs> the best kind. Yeah, he is. He's full of lines. He's really good as the bad guy. Yeah, he's good. And I, I um, I'll kind of get into this later, but I just like that he plays it really, like as a bad guy instead of just doing all the farting around and well maybe we won't maybe we'll kill him maybe we won't kill him maybe we'll kill him maybe we won't kill him he just says i'm gonna do it at the end of the first period we're killing someone find some money by the end of the second period we're killing two more people and he just follows through and you just don't see that in movies usually it's a lot of messing around and well they they try and keep things a little cleaner a little lighter and they just kind of go for it and i thought that was despite this being kind of a not a great movie. I think they did a really good job with that. True. Good well, we, got, we go back to JCVD here, you know, leaving his kids in their seats, winning Daddy of the Year award. Um, <laughs> yeah. Leave them every chance we get. What, what's what's Daddy, Daddy's got to do work. What's Daddy got to do? Probably got to change more light bulbs. <laughs> yeah. The little shit. Uh, kids are dicks. Then am I. <laughs> Especially also, siblings. Super soaker. And then says, what's that? Oh, nothing. Take it from the damn kid. What do you, whatever. Yeah, it's like, how do you get that in the game anyways? You know, normally yeah. they check you for like random stuff. Remember Van Damme got to walk in front of everybody and yeah, just yeah. walk in. Well, it was, it was also stupid too, because he was defending his Debbie for the first time. She was like, is that what daddy does is change light bulbs? No, that's right. not what I'm going to do. And then now it's like, he's probably got to change more light bulbs. Let's make yeah. it, right. you know, it's yeah. like stupid. But then, then this is where you find out, you know, what he wants. Power booth wants, you know, one third of the money every period. So, you know, oh, we get all the money by the time the end of the game's over. He wants like a CIA slush fund to go to like 12. Yeah. Secret Service slush fund. Well, CIA Secret Service slush fund, yeah. Money laundering and uh, dirty money and counterfeits. The, Which, the, fun, let's say, fun fact the Secret Service was first invented to prevent counterfeit money. It was not to protect the president. It then became that afterwards. The. My line I liked here was whenever the mayor's wife is crying, he's like, can you make that cow stop moaning? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also said we all know that she's been the most annoying. No, well, I, I think we can all agree that the mayor's wife has been the most annoying. There that we go. <laughs> and then, but I, I just like the one, the one lady in this too. She's she goes, she says something about like, I highly doubt that someone with manicured fingernails and a $10,000 wristwatch is going to like kill himself. I'm like, yeah, that's this is what this lady realizes under duress, and I just love how he goes. By the prince is like, by the way, it's a fifteen thousand watch bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when that's when he's like talking about who who's they going to kill. He's like, well, we can all agree the mayor's wife has been the most annoying. <laughs> that is probably one of my favorite lines. <laughs> uh, two other things uh, I think we missed. Number one, when Van Dam goes up to after he walks away from his kids and stops and turns around and looks and gives the "I love you" sign. It is absolutely hilarious. It's just terrible. I it's hate so, that. so that's so bad. That's, that's like 
you're like part of the movie you could change well we'll get to that yeah we'll get to that later and actually that that's that's right at the top of the list is that especially when he's the goalie but oh um, also shout out to uh another another uh old school shout out kevin stevens uh scoring the goal and then they play rock and roll part two and the whole the whole stadium gets rocking i thought that was pretty cool hearing that at play you don't hear that anymore Kevin Stevens scored a lot of goals and snorted a lot of coke. Yes, yes. He he. He also, I think he got himself involved with a couple a couple of the uh, the paid ladies too. Oh yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. He liked the nightlife. He like he did like the. Nightlife. All right. Um, Tyler sprays Emily with his his secretly packed super soaker, and she spills her coke, and then you know doesn't run after her when she runs to go to the bathroom. He's like, dad said we should stay here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, whatever. Period ends. Period ends. Shot. All right. So next. Off to the second second period. Yeah. Emily runs into Icy in the bathroom, who is now a terrorist because they've killed Joan, the regular Icy. The terrorist decided it was a great idea to kill an employee in a public bathroom during the first period because no one at the game would ever notice. Yeah, no one. And nobody's in, in the bathroom at, at the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. It's like, literally, the stall door swings open and the volley falls out. You did a yeah. shitty job hiding that. She's the only one that sees that. That little girl is the only yeah. one. Well, it's like, it's right after, so like the period ends, and then that's what saves the little girl. Right, because all the people come flooding all in. The people come flooding in. She's like, chases her, grabs her, you know, runs with her, takes her up to the owner's box. You know, Jace, Jean-Claude is looking for his daughter, goes, you know, at the end of the period, this is Jean-Claude's fault. He said he would be there before the end of the first, before the period was over. He shows up after the period's over. Guess what? Shit hit the fan. I, I disagree. I think it's a thousand percent Tyler's fault. Because he's a dead. oh yeah, well that's a given. <laughs> it's Tyler's fault, but Jean Claude Van Damme late. He was late. He was late, but he was late. Something else that's annoying about this scene: the the woman who has since taken over icy the icy uniform is willing to kill the little girl, but she's out of ammunition, so she's there's no bullets in the gun. She clicks, "Oh, you're lucky." Takes her up the elevator, like she saw me off a guy. Well, so you off her. I tried. And she shows the empty gun. Then she gets bullets. And then they just stop talking about killing. Yeah, <laughs> just let it go. Well, I, I think oh, part I didn't have that, bullets at the time. So I, I think part of it was when they got up there, the VP said something about if you kill her, you're you're not going to get anything anymore. That's else. true. They did say that. He said you're not going to get any money that, if you do it. That, so. that might have been a little bit of it. But my main thing is just like you've killed the Secret Service agent outside. You're out of bullets, just strangle her or something. You know, you obviously, <laughs> my main thing is, why did you kill the employee? You could have just been like, I'm not feeling good and like talked weird, you know? She would have never thought anything. Yeah. So that whole like little scene is so crazy right there. Yes. Then also, there is a really dumb line here by Van Dam when he's talking to Tyler and says, If a building is falling down around you, you don't move. Which comes at later at the end when he's sitting in the empty arena, but I I don't know why. What is it supposed to even mean? It's more bad parenting. It's yeah, bad parenting. We'll hey call guys, it that. hey guys, let this be a lesson to you: never leave your kids unattended because you never know what sort of trouble they'll get into. That, okay, good point. Good point. I can't turn my back for more than three seconds and 
My son has climbed on top of the table and standing up. Yeah, my kids would never listen or sit in one place. (laughs) That's true. They would just be gone. He doesn't, he'll look at me and not listen. He'll look and say, Oh, you want me to do that? Uh Guess guess what I'm going to do? The opposite. I'm going to dump this milk. Uh (laughs) So we pretty much we cut McCord, a.k.a. Jean-Claude, and Icy's kitchen fight. It's awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it, it's great. She moves really well for somebody inside of Moscow. Can't not agree more. Outfit, you know, With maybe no not peripheral vision. Yeah. Head into a grill or into a deep fryer, you know, and actually just try to kill him. But in the end, she's no match for, you know, his great, Spicy kicks, no pun intended, with the crushed red pepper. Yeah, crushed red pepper to the eyes. Uh, And then he he kicks her, and then she like, what does she die from being strangled slash like cooked slash cleaned? Yeah, but the body disappears, (laughs) and you never hear from her again. Yeah, he's like, they make it seem like oh she disappeared, now she's going to come back, but you don't hear from her again. Like you just, Why did neither one of them take off the, the helmet or, like, the mask? She easily, like, takes it off and on when she's up in the box with Powers Booth. But when she's in the middle of a, of a life-and-death fist fight, she leaves it on. Um, and Van Damme t- leaves it on. Like, it's a pad for somebody you're punching in the head. Like, neither one of them takes it off. She, well, that and she... Stunt double, and that's the reason they had to leave the head on. But I feel like they still could have pulled something off. My word about that is that right, be, right, right before when she pulls the gun out and he like kicks out of her hand, like she didn't have to do that. She's like, "Oh yeah, I took her up there. Let's just go up there." She could have ridden the elevator up with him, and then there would have been a room full of guys with guns that yeah. stopped. You know, it's like there would have been that too instead of her trying to play bad guy hero and win it all. You know, there also was a, a bad part that in, in every fight scene they managed to have this where they have the gun yet they somehow walk towards the person to get in range where they can grab it and kick it out of their hand. And she does it at one point. She picks the gun up and starts walking towards him and then he kicks it out of her hand again. Yeah. It's kind of, you know. And then, of course, he he goes out to find somebody to tell what just happened and he happens to find one of the security guards that aren't real, a real security guard. It's a bad guy. Yes, of course. <laughs> Tells him what happens, but it's cool, you know, he kills him with a chicken bone in the neck. I thought that was pretty badass. Not before he finds out that the whole like building's rigged to blow. It kind of reminded me a little, you know, John Wick. You know, he kills a guy with a fucking pencil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Using his little like John Wick slash MacGyvering, finding stuff around him to like. He does some MacGyvering in this movie. Oh yeah, there's some oh yeah, MacGyvering the little there. like blow dart thing. Yeah, the blow dart, the bomb, all that. Yeah. There, there, there is a scene here. Where Jean, not Jean, uh, Hallmark is out there, and they're like, "Hallmark, you got to see this." And they drive a car the whole way out there, and then a Zamboni rides out with all yeah. like, the guys that try to get in. I'm like, "If that thing's moving, how are you getting there in time?" And all this for this to happen, like I was confused. I was like, "Well, they said you got, from- yeah, they said you got to see this. Like, how long had that thing been coming out? Yeah, if they told me to come over and see going it, going around in a circle for a while first. I don't know. You know, yeah. what's going on. And who <laughs> who pushes the button to make the thing open up? I don't, like it I hits don't. the obviously the driver's dead. Did the driver man come back to life? 
hit the button to have the thing open up and then go back. Like, again, that's just fun complaining because they just, oh, like, um, Jean-Claude raids that desk. He goes into where he finds Joan, the old icy who's dead. He finds that lighter and finds the lighter fluid. And, you know, that'll come into play later. Yeah. And at the same time, he gets in contact with the Hallmark, the Secret Service agent. And I love the line here. He's just like, have you come in contact with anybody? He's like, I've killed two. Is that contact? I have that exact one written down. That's a good one there. <laughs> and then I, there, there's a scene. There's a couple of scenes of jumbled around here where oh, he's, he's, he's in the bathroom, like on the phone, like trying to get it to work. And like, I don't know whether like the battery's dying or something like that. And he gets all frustrated and he throws it at the mirror. And it's like the weakest little throw I've ever. It, yeah, seen. it's un- in my list of unintentionally funny things. It's the way he throws that. It's like if I threw left-handed shot put, that's how. I would throw. <laughs> that's kind of what I was gonna say. I was like, it's kind of like he was trying to throw it and shot put something at the same time. I'm not gonna name names, but it rhymes with schmack schmacks. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the that, that's good there, Adam. I, I love the um the drunk guy that's standing next to him and goes, Don't worry, they're gonna win. <laughs> oh, don't get so worked up, they'll win when he after he throws the Oh yeah. Throws the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um the only other thing I have from this part is at the end of the end, the roof is open and they're setting off fireworks. And nobody cares. Yeah. Oh, it's a, oh, never mind. I thought you were. I, I oh no, that's later. Room. That's later when they reopen the roof. Which yeah. that's also the amount of energy electricity needed to open and close that roof. This is my complaining later. Is is an enormous amount. They never would open it and then reclose it, and then allow it to be easily reopened again without anyone saying anything. But even just they, they wouldn't open it for. Just I'd be willing to wager that it's it. never been opened during a hockey game, much less Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final. I want to say that they used to do it in like the eighties or something. After I thought I'd saw them. Was it always after? It's it's June, Ed. It's it's like the middle of summer. It's gonna be hot yeah, as fuck. It's gonna melt the ice. ice. That's very true. I didn't even think about that part. Yeah, you yeah, need to but, do it when the weather's just the right temperature. Yeah, if it's in the winter, you might be able to do it, but not. Not during yeah, like sometime like March or something. But yeah, I didn't even think about that. It's it's late May, early June. I don't know when the playoffs were played. Then I don't know if they well, went for. You know, it's the Stanley Cup Finals too. So you know, it's the very last. Yeah, it's the very end. Which, really late. Um, since we were talking about that, this is a good a good point that I, I saw earlier. It bothers me that they show the beginning of the game, and it's already dark, because it doesn't get dark till like eight thirty. In Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, uh, that's nitpicking. It is nitpicking, they needed, but they needed it to be dark. They, they, it could have been dusk, but it's like a, if it were a seven or eight p.m. start, eight p.m. at the latest because it's Chicago, so they're not going to go any later than that. And uh, I was just like, that they obviously just didn't think about that. That when the game would have started, it still would have been dusk. Yeah, that's nitpicking. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's did. all I had for first to end the second. They're missing uh, anything. Well, well, here you go. Um, you forgot where. So Hallmark enters the building himself to find McCord. 
aka Jean-Claude Van Damme. This is where this is oh, where we skipped over something that bothered me earlier in the movie. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut Sorry. you off, but Hallmark makes a call like, no, don't send the FBI. We have this. Like, I don't think any if the vice president was in duress, I don't think there'd be any amount of any phone calls from anyone that would stop any additional police from coming. But sorry. That's, no, actually, I want to add in something because they kind of I don't know if they cut a scene out that was supposed to be in there, but it's, there's never like anything. You never see Hallmark finding out that the president has been kidnapped. It's just suddenly cuts to him on the phone yelling and screaming about it. And yeah. it's maybe that was supposed to be a way of pointing out that he's in on the gig the whole time, but it just kind of like cuts to it. There's never a, Oh my God, what's going on? We need to get this. Right. It's just like, all of a sudden he's, he, he, they're yelling and screaming about it. Well, yeah. you, you assume what happens is when the VP calls the president, the president calls, calls the secret service. Yeah. yeah. And also the, you just don't have that, like the phone's ringing. Hey, by the way, you fucked up. Yeah. You know, they don't have the phone. <laughs> <laughs> you're never going to work again fix this now but you're never going to have a real job ever after exactly but so like I said before during I'll this time oh, I must have clicked down before he before he walks in you miss the, the super maga building a nail gun out of a fire that's, that's, a that's, that's what I was saying I was like this is like all the time where there's, there's like a little bit of random stuff going on like the guy who killed the old lady was like on top of the roof shooting like rocket launchers right <laughs> <laughs> and they couldn't catch the guy <laughs> no he just would disappear i love they showed that they had that that cute scene where they come up and they see everything is gone except for his coffee which still has steam coming off the top of it yeah for some also, for some apparent reason just van to make him like, you, you were, close, you were the, close van damme argues to type onto the marquee and his winning argument is hey I'm having a really bad day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy like lets him do it. Okay. Okay. Not I could karate kick your head off. Yeah. But but you're but you're right, Ed. Right around that same time, he, he MacGyver's a weapon out of like a hose, a nail, and some tube. You know, like some tube and then like a fire extinguisher. Which comes into play almost immediately because he kills a guy immediately, just nonchalantly with it. He has like no problem killing anybody. No, he really doesn't. Like, it doesn't affect him. Like, I'm pretty sure if I killed somebody, I'd be, I'd be like, thinking about, like, oh, shit, I just killed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you saw how he reacted when he, someone died in his arms being a movie. He couldn't be a real fireman anymore. Now he's just killing people left and right. Like, I can do this shit. Or he see. never reacts to the part where he Pittsburgh for a long time. And at no point after it was over, it was, went, that was fucking weird. <laughs> like, he didn't how even be not even... a power woman with no peripheral vision. Uh, I have so much... Wow. Sorry. Yeah. But needless to say, Hallmark saves his life. And he tells his that he tells Hallmark kind of like where his son's sitting. They're shot at by the bad guys, so they get separated. Hallmark Before could Hallmark. have killed any time during this time, but I think the only thing I can assume is that he wanted to know everything that he knew and maybe people that he told. So I think that's what well, it is. One of the things he says is uh, where are your other men, or how how many men do you have, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, you're like, right. And he gets shot at, and that's how they disperse. And then he asks exactly. him again. He says, "Where are your other men?" And he, um, yeah, he and says, the, "You really are all all by and, yourself." And this is the oh yeah. By the way, Hallmark's a bad guy working with Powers Boop. 
pretty much is where you find out, right? Pretty much just immediately they go meet up and they talk. So Hallmark knows where his son's at, so he tries to come and convince him to come with him. But no, no, no. Daddy told me to stay in my seat. He's pretty much – Hallmark's pretty much scared away by some angry fans and the kids right. being screamed. Hallmark, sorry, you work for the Secret Service. You're kind of a wuss. <laughs> like, get yeah. out of here. There was you, uh, you deserve what's coming to you. You missed a, a funny line in there. Um, as soon as he says, I'm Hallmark, he punches him and he goes, that's for doing your job half-assed. <laughs> and, and getting in my very like, bad kids. English. Yeah. Half-assed. Yeah, half-assed. Yeah. Yeah. And next we have Hallmark finds him again. Yep. And that's where Hallmark he turns on again. And this is where he takes his the sun's super soaker out, which he is filled with the lighter fluid. Yes, and burns him. And, and I have it was like he was covered in gasoline when he shot. Him. Yeah. <laughs> it's way more than it's than it seems. And then uh by the way, he doesn't die. He comes back at him somehow, like yes. after he puts the flames out like a minute later somehow, even though he's completely engulfed. I have yes. no idea how he did that. He's either. completely engulfed. He he manages to still have be able to see. Um his skin's not melting off of him, but after Van Dam hits him with the flash of light and kills him, he forgets to disable that bomb. He leaves it alone. You're I would kind of really pay attention, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take your word for it. Yeah, but I can the ones that ends up blowing up. He it's it's the one that's um like remember he goes to climb up on the pipe and he never disables it. Uh, like I said, I didn't catch it, but yeah. I'm gonna take your word for it. But I know that he gets his phone somehow, even though he got completely on fire. Yeah, <laughs> and, he and he calls Booth with it. They exchange pleasantries. This is where you find out his full name. Yeah. You exchange pleasantries, and McCord continues to disarm some bombs here. This is where we find out that we, we've known Tulliver had like a fever of like 104, they said, before the game. So he feels leaves the game because he feels sick. Tulliver, the goalie, a.k.a. Mark Caulfield. Jay Caulfield. Jay Caulfield. Jay Caulfield, sorry. Meanwhile, McCord's on the run from some thugs. You know, He appears like he's about to be cornered. I go, we know he's in trouble because – at that precise moment, the Blackhawks score a goal to go 3-2. is how the whole movie goes. When trouble's happening, the Blackhawks score. They're like the bad right. guys. The yeah. are the good guys in the movie. That's <laughs> how it goes. We know he's in trouble because, boom, the Blackhawks score. 3-2. Yes. The score's 3-2. And there's like seven minutes remaining or something like that. But then he you know, has this great plan where he's going to dress up like Brad Tolliver despite having no idea that he has left the game. And hides in plain sight on ice. All right. You know, right. like this is a great idea. But he magically, you know, like poof, gets into this goalie gear in like five seconds. Like two seconds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right. And then the coach assumes that he's all better and he's like, makes him replace Reggett immediately. Doesn't, doesn't assume it. He goes, feeling better? Van Dam nods his head. He goes, then get the fuck in there. Yeah, I have that quote written down there. It's like, oh, no. Now, now Jean-Claude Van Dam is playing goalie for the Penguins in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yes. 
And the coach is easily my least favorite character. Oh, I think he's great because he's screaming at him, move he's the fuck out. <laughs> I love when he goes, he's like, and none of the teammates realize, oh, that this is not their teammate. Yeah, you would think someone would have figured it out. And yeah. while he's in goal, you learn in that one scene that he used to play goalie semi-pro, but he looks like me out there trying to play goalie. He's left-handed, <laughs> too. Well, the thing is, yeah, is like the way he's holding his glove, it's like down. He doesn't look like he has. No, he's idea. yeah. He, he kind of just looks like if you had a cardboard cutout goalie, that's where it would stand like that. Yeah. And, you know, he gets knocked over, hits, gets hit in the head, you know, shakes it off. But there's like so many like breakaways in like a 10 second span here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so he, he takes this. He makes a sweet save by diving out of the way of the puck and catching it yes. in his glove. <laughs> yeah, it happens like his glove happens to go exactly where it was. Well, it's like funny. It, yeah. it, it's any other goalie, it just would have bounced off their chest. But he got out of the way to make it look better. Right. <laughs> yeah. much. And this is where we get an even worse I love you from him. Well, oh, <laughs> this yes. was so bad. I just love how he does it, and immediately his son is like, that's my dad playing goal. I realize that my dad's playing goal. My like, dad's a it, it, but he doesn't like react to it other than that. Like other than the movie, he's just like randomly sitting there throughout the game, like not even like being like that was my dad in goal or <laughs> isn't excited at all or anything. It's kind of weird. But after saving the Pittsburgh Penguins, saving with his his save, he also is like, oh yeah, I got a building that's about to blow up. I need to try to save that too. So I need to punch this guy. Yeah, I, I got a punch of Blackhawks player in the face, and he gets who's, you. Who's near me for no reason whatsoever? I just like, love that when he's when he's skating off the ice, the coach yells, "Tolliver, that's a thousand dollar fine." Not even saying, not even thinking to himself, "Tolliver, we have to spend the rest of regulation in a penalty kill." Yeah, <laughs> and we're yeah. Or, <laughs> dude, what the fuck is going on? And a thousand dollars for a guy. That- in even in '95, probably made like two million dollars. Yeah, a top a top goalie in yeah '95, yeah. sure. Yeah, JCVD goes back to the long, locker room, has to kill one. I really get frustrated that he like uses the weight room like equipment and like you know. So this is an interesting thing. So he hits. Well, the- we're talking about frustrating parts right then. The guy. For one, there's no security into the lock in or out of the locker room. Not at just, all. You want to go in. There's just that one guy with the white sweater right. who says, who the hell are you? And gets Except shot. Okay. he knows exactly who it is because he was walking them around and like, here, I'll introduce you in the beginning of the movie. So he knows who McCord is. Like, That's true. He has the mask off at that point. Like, well, McCord, it was the, the, that, that, thing. Like, that black guy walked in and he hopped up and goes, who are you? And that's when the guy just unloads on him and shoots him. I liked, uh, I thought the throat kick with the blade was pretty impressive. I wish that would have killed him. I thought that would have been cool. Like, he would yeah. split his throat with the blade. I thought that would have made for a much better... Uh... I, I do like that when when they were in fight scenes, that he wasn't using a lot of martial arts because it wouldn't make sense because he's a fireman. Like, they tried to yeah. him <laughs> a little bit. Like, if he was, like, you know, pulling some blood sport shit... Like it would not make it would not work with this movie. Right. The 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 fire marshal that happens to know full on taekwondo or, or whatever it would be some form of martial arts, yeah. Dukes Rayu. So the he, fighting he uh, developed by Frank Dukes. Yes. <laughs> but good old you know, Frank Dukes. You, you you get to you get to the game 
and he's pretty much running out of time. There's seconds left. Powers Booth is gonna blow up the building. Blow up the building, but suddenly Luke Robitaille gets that breakaway. No, no, no. Chicago gives up a, a shorthanded breakaway in the final seconds of Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals, and the defender then he jukes out, looked like he was in a coma. If you <laughs> oh, see oh, after he gets past oh, him, he's literally just standing there staring up at the the jumbotron, like he's not. They they couldn't even make him look like anything. And when when Robitaille starts the breakaway. That defender is about ten feet to the right. Easily could have come over, just knocked the puck out of his his stick. Like it was, it was a pretty bad. Uh, they they didn't put much effort into it. I'll say that much. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't very pretty. But he scores the goal, and guess what, guys? We're in sudden death. We're in sudden what? death. That's yeah, the name of the movie, man. The we name should of the say it fifteen times. And they like it flashes all over the seat, all over the screen too. The it stays yeah. up on the jumbotron too. Later on, as you see them skate, the the, uh, the game continues on. It just says sudden death up top. Well, it's just a little strange that one Van Dam literally runs on the top of the seat tops diagonally across to the glass, and no like semblance of security or. Usher or anybody says anything or like people don't even point to him. It's just like, oh, it's just a guy tumbling down. Like, and at least he does fall because I would have been really mad if he had made that run the whole way from like nosebleeds the whole way down to the glass without falling. But he does fall at the end. You know what it would have made great instead of him going and watching the count, the clock countdown, if he just ran out of the building. <laughs> <laughs> He just like takes off out of the building. He's just that gone. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But the other thing, he does that, and then these two gorillas with like Uzis are following him, and they don't garner any kind of attention either. No, like, uh, oh, just you know. Now I don't remember things what what things were like back then, but you do have to remember everything pre nine eleven was very different when it came to security. Even pre-Columbine and pre-Timothy McVeigh, security was so much different. Like, it was extremely lax. And so it, Still, it was a much different frame. Again, guys with their Uzis does like, draw a lot of attention. But it's seven of the Stanley Cup. Like, regular season games, when you're a kid, you try to, like, sneak up, and they get you. Oh, it's true. And the president's there. So there's supposed to be extra security, no matter what. Right. I, I don't well, know. That's my only thing is maybe people assume that they're security. That could be it, yeah. But the one guy's wearing like he's not wearing the standard suit and sunglasses like Hawaii piece. Shirt. Yeah, he's wearing like a like a Hawaiian polo. I'm I'm telling you, I've <laughs> I've been at I've been at uh, Washington Nationals games and there's been, you know, VIPs there sitting literally there was a uh who was that? Sitting like congressman right or something or senator. Yeah, sitting, right, sitting right in front of me. Um can't I just can't this name's not coming up to the top of my head right now. An but, old uh, white guy. <laughs> pretty much. There's, there's it down. And <clears throat> had undercover guys everywhere, like guys wearing you know, little vests and everything. But you could just tell by the, there's an earpiece in their ear. Oh, okay. Well, so I'm saying, I'm saying it's not – granted, would they be carrying Uzis? No. Like, no. <laughs> they'd, have a, they'd have a piece hidden underneath their shirt. But 
Either way, it's it's still funny. But um, well, I think we already touched on the fact that it takes him 14 seconds to get in full goalie pad to yeah. get somebody who's laying down out of those set, same pads and get into them himself. Yeah, and in 14 seconds, and Kennedy, you can you can vouch for this. When you're playing baseball, the guy who is the catcher, as long as there's two outs, he doesn't take those knee pads off because those take too long just to put on and off between innings. Like, imagine yeah. an entire full goalie gear. If they're on deck. Yeah. They're, they're standing there wearing them. Yeah, they're standing there wearing them and waiting for to see if there's, they're going to get the bat, and then they take, it, take them off when it's their turn to bat. Right, right, because it takes too long to put back on before they would transfer innings. So, um, yeah, again, very valid point, Adam. All right, so let's, let's transition into OT uh, now that we are into sudden death. And as we said, it is on. It is literally on the jumbotron on all four sides. It says, "I think that's pretty funny." Um, don't think they waited twenty minutes between end they didn't of OT and the beginning. They didn't even go in the locker room. No, they didn't, and that's not how it works. <laughs> they go into the locker room. If this is a regular season game, yeah, they whip them right back out there and they play three on three or four on four, and then they go and then they come back into the shootout. And everyone goes home. Not in the playoffs. Yeah, it's Zamboni. It's the whole deal. Yeah. But you so, can't use Zamboni. It's filled with bodies. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, more, okay. more importantly, guys, McCord, a.k.a. Jean-Claude Van Damme, decides to make an explosive at this point. Oh. Yes. Very oh, MacGyver. Speaking of very complaints, MacGyver. I have a few coming up. <laughs> and then he, and then that, he makes an, exclo- an explosive. Then he decides to scale the igloo from the outside. Fights the guard post up there, somehow tr- triggering the building's retractable roof. Yes. Nobody notices. And if you notice when it's retracting open, the seats are all empty. Oh, I, no- I didn't notice that little <laughs> part. <laughs> the seats are empty. So this is obviously shot at a different time. Yes. Uh, one more thing that you, you missed that I thought or missed that I thought was pretty funny. So when they go right as they're talking, as time's running out at the end, uh, and they're talking about how much money's being transferred. They show the guy who's got the glasses that's falling all the money that's being transferred. He's playing Wolfenstein. He's playing Doom. Yeah. Oh, is it Doom? I couldn't tell which one. I tried to go back and look, but I couldn't see which one it was. Playing Doom. I actually read that online that he was playing Doom. That's why yeah. I thought that was nice. But anyways, okay. So back to the back to the top. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't until the blackout, right? That well, the thing is, nobody, nobody even. It, that's the surprising part. Is that. Nobody in the arena seems to notice that the roof's open and right. two men are fighting on the edge of it. Yes. <laughs> and there's bodies dangling from it. And I said, that's because no one's in the seats. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yes, true. <laughs> they only notice when that bad guy lands in the jumbotron and it explodes. Right. That something's up. Oh, no, the Stanley Cup is ruined. And the cord swings from his cable. He throws that explosive that he made. On top of the little like pre- vice VP suite crashes yeah. into it, you know all this explosion, panic, panic flame. What well, and it says, everybody flees, including Powers Booth. John Clyde goes in there and takes out a room full of professional killers like he's a freaking Navy SEAL when right. he's a fireman. <laughs> and he's a fireman. Uh, you were saying something, Adam? Yeah, he knows his daughter's in the press box, but he has no idea where. No, but he just throws it blindly, you know, complete blind throw, 
has no idea how big it's going to be. It could easily explode and just kill everybody in the room. Right. Including the just, <laughs> Including the daughter, yeah. Including yeah. the vice president. Um, uh, you have to believe that after everyone starts freaking out, obviously, because first off, no one moves from their seats when the Jumbotron explodes, only when a small explosive is set off on top of the booth. It's not until that, that bomb is thrown by him and he zips down and throws the bomb. Then everybody freaks out. Not when it looks like the Jumbotron is going to fall in the middle of the ice. But you have to believe someone would have been trampled to death in all that craziness, right? There, pro- there probably was some craziness going on there. Yeah, like some 73-year-old woman got run over by somebody. I know. So, um, hopefully. You know, we can only hope <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Uh, I like when Powers Boost starts setting off the bombs. It's like, oh, that one's dead. Oh, that one's dead. Oh, that one goes off. Oh, there's a top wave of water somehow that pours out of the bathroom. Like, it, they, like they blew up Shamu's tank at SeaWorld. Like that much water comes out. It is an absurd <laughs> I also like how it hits, but there's an old guy running, but the old guy never falls down. But like in the next little cut, you see him like, he made it. He like, just ran. <laughs> well, he's, he's a 90-year-old strong man, I guess. Uh, so then, then they they had this this little. Well, go ahead, Mike. I would say. Meanwhile, Jean Claude Van Damme's dumbass son still sitting in his seat during the obvious terrorist attack. Yes, because Daddy told him so. Right. <laughs> I didn't move, Dad. I didn't move, no matter what. Yeah, I have that. I didn't move, Dad. I didn't move. Not even when things were blow, blew up. I didn't move. And I was just like, what an idiot this yeah. kid is. Well, he followed his dad's instructions. Not when the building's collapsing around you. Which they should yeah. have had the building actually collapse around him. That would have been more ironic. Um, Pretty selective about following rules. Super soaking his sister. Yes. Dumping coke on her. I guess in, in chaos, you, you listen to your dad. Uh, I did like that then they, they made his daughter is the only can identify Powers Booth because he has a stamp on his hand. Well, in defense of that, that is the best disguise you could have in Pittsburgh oh, at a Stanley Cup. I, this is literally you what get, I wrote down. I said, Booth makes for a great Yinzer trash 90s person, always missing his black and gold Zumba pants. He oh, yeah. Fl- like he was flawless. The hair, the, he needed a little more mullet, well, but the hair, the mustache, he, the whole thing, the jacket, that's all the whole that. Thing. If you want to be a Pittsburgh dad, you better slap on a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> they were standard issue in the 90s. You had to have it. But 1995 wow. Yinger Trash, like, he was perfect. Absolutely okay. perfect. The, like, fake Letterman jacket, like, that yeah. leather, like, the yeah. Leather sleeves, but not the Letterman. Like, right. the Letterman yeah, felt. I don't know how to describe it, but, yeah. yeah. It's Letterman like... felt in, in leather sleeves is exactly what it would be. So she sees she sees that it's Powers Booth, and he just decides to kidnap her again. Right. It's like, you're such an idiot. Ever. You could have just run, but instead, why not drag along a person that's going to slow you down drastically? Yep. Where they like go, end up going back up to the roof, where she's knocked off the edge, left hanging from it, you know, holding on to her dear life, like pretty much like on that little, like, oh, yeah. Brain she is. Uh, she, like, incredible. climbs up strong, strongest, like, how old, I don't even know how old she's supposed to be. Like strongest seven year old ever, ever. <laughs> Incredible grip strength, and then I believe she pulls herself far stronger than Michael herself. Kennedy on a deck. You know, plummeting <laughs> above some mulch. Yeah. She twenty two year old Mike Kennedy. She totally does pull herself up. Yeah, all by herself. <laughs> They've got 
Powers boots. What's in the jeans? Her dad from the same hanging position was able to throw a right cross that's hard enough to knock a full man, a full grown man over. That's so. true. That's true. I, I he gets on the. It must have been also standard issue to have the rope ladder with the helicopter that doesn't really do anything because it was the same. It was the same rope ladder in Batman, the '89 Batman with Keaton that Jack that the Joker gets on that like just spins around violently and there's no control to it. (laughs) That must have just been like equipped in every single. Uh, helicopter. I think, I think one of my favorite things is here. So he grabs it, he drops his gun, and Van Damme picks it up, and Booth is just magically inside. Inside, you know how long it would take to climb? Oh up? my god! Yeah, and those things are wild. Like you can't control it, and it's on a helicopter. It's not like it's just hanging too. It's like on a moving helicopter, right? But Van Damme just grabs the gun and shoots up because that's where the helicopter was. Now here comes <laughs> the important part. He knows somehow. That if he just shoots directly up into the helicopter, it will kill the pilot and the helicopter will fall perfectly down into the opening of the arena. I don't think he knew that. Ed, oh, but. but let's put it this way. Helicopter blades travel at, what, 1,500 RPM? Maybe 15,000 RPM? I don't know. They completely <laughs> miss his daughter. Those blades could have cut her in half. Yeah, give me a fact check on that one, Ed. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up what it is while, while we're, after we're done talking about this. But the speed they go at, they somehow they, they could have easily cut his daughter in half. And then there's an explosion. And she's not on top of the building. She's down in that level hanging below where the building was, above the Jumbotron. Never came up at all like, hey, asshole, you easily could have killed me. What were you doing? Speaking of more interesting, like uh... – real world things i'd be really interested to know at its widest how wide that opening was at the civic arena or melon arena and how wide a wingspan is on like whatever helicopter that is because i'd be willing to wager that it doesn't it didn't open more than like a third of the way so at the top you got to be talking like 20 30 feet so for that helicopter to fall in just like that well also, it's impossible for the helicopter to fall backwards like that. Well, yeah, I mean that's a given. We're... <laughs> I just figured we were assuming that part. <laughs> it's important to know that people know that if, if if you haven't seen the movie, the helicopter falls straight down, tail first, and you just get a glimpse of Power Booth, Powers Booth, and Junk Love in him make slight eye contact. Because <laughs> that's yeah, what he'd be worried about as he's plummeting to his death, like. I'm going to give him a hard look here. Yep. All right, so yeah. I was yeah, way you know, off. He falls, he, he falls to a sudden death there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was way off. The um, Just the first words on the, uh, I pulled up, a Schweizer 300, which is a typical light helicopter, has a 440 to 460 RPM while in the middle of the flight. So I was way over. But either way. <laughs> 15,000 RPM. Okay, so that's four It's four revolutions per second. No, more than that. Five revolutions per second. It would have cut her in half. I'm looking up si- the size of the opening and see if I can it, find it, anything. It, it, it didn't because it fell straight back in, so we're good with that. And then we can just say the last line of the movie, my daddy's a fireman. Yeah. So <laughs> 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 it's like, no shit. We know this now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Is that our segue into the worst character? Because <laughs> well, we'll go we'll go line by line. Actually, we're gonna go segue into the first, we're going to end of the movie. Let's get into the fun stuff. Although this has been a ton of fun already. Um, Something that I want to bring up just about this movie in general. It is, you know, pretty much Die Hard. You know what I mean? Like Die what... Hard pretty much made a started a trend in '98. I was like looking at all these movies that are just like Die Hard. Yeah, in 88, sorry, 88. But then you have, you know, Toy Soldier in 91, which is pretty much Die Hard in a boarding school. And you have, there's this movie called Taking of Beverly Hills. I had to look it up. It's just a total B movie, but it's pretty much the same thing, but it takes place in Beverly Hills. Then you had in 92, you had Passenger 57, which is... Die Hard on a Plane. <laughs> under, <laughs> under Siege, Die Hard on a Cliffhanger. <laughs> Speed in 94, Die Hard in a Bus. Then you had Sudden Death in 95, which is Die Hard in a Hungary. And actually, thanks for shitting on my point, Mike. I One thing we wanted to get into this, or, or add this time around, was what should have been the real title or tagline. I actually have written down Die Hard in a Hockey Game. Because that's had, what it is. That's what it is. I actually had that, actually had that written down, too. Yeah. <laughs> but then you I, have... Although it's hard to beat, it's hard to beat the real tagline. Terror goes into overtime, but it really just—if—if if you're going to be blunt about it, it's Die Hard in a hockey game. And then you have Under Siege Two in '95, which Die is Hard. Die. Yep. Uh, um, executive, executive decision. Ooh, yeah. Another, Another Die Hard on a plane. Die Hard on a plane. Then you had The Rock that was in '90s. Rock, yeah, Die Hard in a jail. And then you had Con Air. <laughs> die hard, another Die Hard on a plane. On a prison, yeah, prison transport. <laughs> yep. No, it, it, Air, Force, Air Force One. <laughs> die Hard on Air Force One. Yeah. <laughs> you are right about that, Mike. It's Die Hard did create an entire genre of movie, which is like a whole new way of doing an action thriller. It's drawn. Well, I'm not done yet. <laughs> oh, you, you <laughs> first scared. off, first off, you I, I said, well, I was saying speed two, three, which mean, the, other, the other ones, there, there's some, there's some bad ones. So half past dead. <laughs> I've never seen that one. Oh, that's, that's got jaw rule. Oh, that's all I needed prison. to hear. That's all I needed to hear. And, and, uh, one. Yeah. and Alcatraz again. <laughs> and jaw rules like the voice of reason. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and then you have. Uh, I just wrote these ones down. Oh, can we just touch on just a half a second that Seagal wears a skull cap in that movie? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Is that right when he started balding? Is that why? I, I don't know. It doesn't matter why. So. He's trying to look like he had some street cred in the. <laughs> you know, but I had Olympus has fallen and White House down. Oh, yep, those are those are both White House. But you forgot. Die Hard 2, which is Die Hard at an airport, and Die Hard 3, which was Die Hard at the Federal Reserve. Yeah, I didn't want to just <laughs> go copy the Die Hard thing. But you you are right. It, it created a whole genre of movies. And Die Hard is one of those movies that truly does hold up from the 80s. Exactly. And I was going to say, actually, for this movie, people who were going to have Van Damme's part, people they approached, they approached Bruce Willis. But he was shooting Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, yes, I think I do um, have that in the notes somewhere. They yeah, they approached 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he was he was doing like True Lies and like a bunch yeah. of he had a bunch of other movies that he was doing too. And they also approached Sylvester Stallone, but he didn't like the script. Yeah, because uh, the dialogue wasn't good enough for him, I guess. Compared and to Powers Booth, Powers Booth character was they also thought about James Woods. That would have been terrible. Powers uh, Booth is so good. That. James Woods is well, so like. I don't think it would have been terrible. It would have turned sexual. There's no question it would turn sexual if James Woods would have been in there. Well, it's definitely better with Powers Booth. I don't. Yes. Know, I, I wouldn't agree with the terrible James Woods. I think he's he'd be okay. Yeah. One, I think. All right, so let's get into general thoughts on the movie because I liked where you went. Oh, first off, do you guys have any other taglines for it or titles? Oh, one of the titles I said was Ice Boxer. <laughs> Just to, to piggyback <laughs> on Kickboxer. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. I like that one. That's a good one, Adam. Like the uh, thing on the on the movie cover is Jean-Claude Van Damme is and then ellipsis dot 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 ice boxer. Uh, yeah. But it was kickboxer, the, you know, <laughs> the kickboxer. Yeah. I so like it here. though. I like it. All right. Um well, like Yippie Kaye monkey fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just don't even don't even mess don't, don't even hide the fact that it's another diehard. Yeah. All right, Pittsburgh uh, diehard, Pittsburgh diehard, and th- that's actually thoughts on the movie. First thing, this is pure Pittsburgh skyline porn. Like there is so many shots of the city, daytime, nighttime. They they just pour them all in there. So, There's a a van, a WDVE van. Yes, there is a DVE fan. I saw that. Um, Mike Lang. Paul Staggerwall. So uh, much Mike Lang. So much Mike Lang. Some of the Mike Lang taglines, even the the stepdads um, mm-hmm. pulls out one of the taglines like Scratch my back with, back with a hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, you get you get out of Mike Lang, the get in the fast long fast lane grandma. Um, mm-hmm. I forget one of the other ones he says, but uh, yeah, just pure pit there's a lot, a lot, a lot of Pittsburgh in this movie. Yeah, Paul Staggerwald's uh, swearing on the air. I've yeah, that's that. right. I had that in there. Up. He he does. He says shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. This is not a sports movie. No. No. The sports movie has to be the the climactic scene has to be like in the sport, and right. this is not a sports movie. No. We we got into this already. Powers Booth is a tremendous bad guy. And I feel like he should have had a he had you know, we named the movies he was a good bad guy in. I feel like I would have liked to see him be bad guy in more movies. Unfortunately, obviously he got sick and died, but I feel like that was his calling and he should have done more of it. I wish he would have gotten sprinkled in in more stuff. Like he could have been in Con Air or um I would like to see him in The Rock and just played the bad guy again. Maybe not Ed Harris, but another one of the characters. Ed Harris was rock solid in that movie. He was very rock solid. No, no pun intended. Well, there was a run there where awesome. they said we need an at we need we're going to do a movie about the astronauts or the military. What's Ed Harris up to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he needs, you know, he lost some money in Vegas, so he did that milk money movie, you know, to fill in the gap <laughs> every now and again. All right, so I had what my thoughts were on Van Damme's kill count. I came up with one, two, three, four, five, six, and then there's two that you don't really know whether or not they're dead, and I don't think they are because it's the two goons that end up coming back out and following him 
when he comes back down to the ice. So he kills Iceberg with the dishwasher. He kills the guy by breaking a turkey bone in half and jamming it in their neck. He kills someone with a makeshift nail gun to the neck. Uh, He burns someone and then beats him over the head with a flashlight. He kicks and knocks a guy off of the Civic Arena. And then he knocks the guy into the Jumbotron. I'm sorry, and then I forgot two more. He shoots the pilot. He didn't kill that guy. That guy swung and let go and trying to swing. Well, <laughs> I gave him part of one. So it's eight and then the two, the two unconscious guys because he shoots the pilot and then blows up the blows up powers boost. So that's eight and then two minis. And I didn't add the people that he kills in the um, the owner's box. Did you get the one that he got with like the blow dart? You know, yeah, that was the thing. he makes the nail gun and shoots it into yeah. his nail. Oh, nail gun. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the two that I said were question marks, which he kicked the 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 guy the guy in the Hawaiian shirt. He kicks him in the head with the skate, and then puts a hole in his hand with a stamper and smashes his head off it. But I think you see him later. And then the other guy when they fight in the exercise room, I like that he uses the what we used to call the spreader, the like thing that stretches out your hamstrings or your groins, smacks his head in there. And then I think he's also the guy you see later. So the kill count somewhere around 10 to 12, depending on who you, if you broke down who he actually kills in the owner's box. Um, Speaking of that kill number two, the turkey you mentioned, neck, the turkey like, bone. Uh, that scene drove me nuts because he, he smashes the guy, his hand in like some kind of press. And that guy like still like puts him in a headlock and then yeah. has to, like battle out of that. <laughs> if your hand is crushed and like all the bones are broken, you can't do a headlock because you can't make a fist. Right? Yeah. I mean, he was like holding like holding his face with one hand and like a knife to his throat with the other. It's like, uh, no, I <laughs> don't. Like, I'm pretty sure he'd just be on the ground, like, yeah, holding his hand. But, um, did I? Did any other thoughts on I the killings? Go. Van Dam murdering people essentially. No, it's all, all the rest are legit. I was reading it. I was reading it. Especially when he has no idea with that, you know, what kind of pressure he has in that. On, on IMDb, the total body count for the movie was 36. 36? Well, I guess all the people that Powers Booth and his well, guys kill, but yeah. Right, yeah. The yeah. Zamboni people. That's ambiguous, too. When those cars explode know, outside, how many people died like, from that? The uh, rocket launchers. Yeah, the rocket launchers. You say, I got one. I forgot about those. Always a guy with a freaking rocket launcher in these movies, too. Need one. You need one. Gotta have a rocket guy. Yeah. Yeah. With a little bit of attitude. (laughs) Gotta have a little bit of attitude. Um, Yeah. All right. So, in part of the killings, I like that Powers Booth is a bad guy who follows through on killing the hostages. I know I talked about this before, but you never see that in movies, really. It's always like, we're going to. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, and then it's always just a lot of pussyfooting around, and he actually does it, which makes it adds a little bit to the intensity of the movie, I think. Um, there's some sponsors, some shout-outs to local Western PA sponsors, including Eaton Park and Iron City Beer. You see their signs. Uh, I didn't uh, see Shop, Shop and Save. There's another good one. <laughs> I saw oh, the Iron yeah, City Beer yeah. sign. I, I missed the Shop and Save sign. Did you see any more, Kennedy? Yeah. No, I wasn't even paying attention to yeah. that. <laughs> well, I saw the Eaton Park one, so I started writing down ones that I saw. There's a good overhead shot, and you catch the Iron City beer sign. It's right next to the um, center ice. It's a huge Iron City beer sign. Yeah. 
I don't know when it changed, but that was what they served at the arena. No, it, now it's Labatt Blue, I, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors yeah, Light, I think. I think that's yeah. what they serve now. Yeah, let me. But yeah, my dad yeah. and uncle, that's what they got. Um, last note. Or my yeah. dad and uncle, I mean. Um, last <laughs> note. Kennedy, you and I were at the Civic Arena for the last season it was used. Uh, you and I went to game one of the Eastern Conference Finals when they swept Carolina. Mellon well, Arena. it oh, was yeah. Mellon Arena by then, but the last season of it uh, when they won the Cup in 2009. And I know, Nave, you and I went to at least one game there. With Evgeny Malkin's ridiculous backhand out of the corner. Maybe my favorite goal of all time it was in that series. I don't know. That game, something but... about Ward's liquor license or something. There's a line that said, Cam Ward just his liquor license. Oh, yeah. Can't, yeah, that, that's right. That I don't think that was in the game we went to. I think that was a different one. Because they, they – no, they the That might have been – The one Carolina, you and I went to was a close was, game. I think it was like 4-3 awesome. or something. And then they the next three games and swept them. Malkin was unbelievable oh, yeah. that yeah. year. He won the con Smythe and everything. That series anyway, he ridiculous. Like he just yeah. owned that series. Um, other thoughts, guys, before we get into the scenes and everything. Well, the I don't know how many people watch The Office, but this is the exact plot of Threat <laughs> Level Midnight, except if John Claude Van Damme was a like a secret government agent or instead of a fireman. Otherwise, it's sudden death at like every other, like the Super Bowl. Michael Scarn saves the Super Bowl. Michael Scarn saves the World Series. You know, it's of all the movies to follow this is the, sudden death is what they chose to model after which made it all the more ridiculous which i guess to me makes light of how ridiculous sudden death was yeah it's and i don't want everyone to understand we like this movie because we like van damme we just also like picking at all the threads in this movie and all the holes in it make no mistake i've seen this movie no less than 15 times <laughs> It's been a while since I've seen it. It's been a while since I have seen it. I will admit that. But uh, I, I caught on. I, everything came back to me very quickly. Mike, anything else? No. We should move on to uh, best scene or something here. Okay, yeah. Best scene. I have um, when Foss first takes over the box and is just riffing. It's exactly I, think it's, right. I think it's the best scene in the movie. Yeah, unanimous. That's he's the best part. Um, just, just too, too many lines. He's got too many good lines in that scene. Yeah, he's just he's he's just na- knocking them off one after another, just riffing them. Yeah. Worst scene. You can probably be more specific than me. I just said anything with the daughter in it. <laughs> I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote the "I love you" sign scenes. That's pretty good. That 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 may they may that may overtake it. Because like the one, the, it's like the one he signs his son when he's dressed. Oh god, it's the worst. It's so bad. Like, oh my god! Like that has to be my freaking dad. Like yeah. he had to be done. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, couldn't they? Well, that like, also was on him with everything up in the ice too. Like, what the hell is he doing? Like, certainly everyone on the team would have recognize like why is he skating like an idiot and oh that's not his face oh that's not his voice you know but then i feel like is like the coffin nail yeah as far as that's definitely not tolliver no yeah that's the one i had was the worst too like that was 
most aggravating even as a kid like oh yeah <laughs> 12 years old i'm like rolling my eyes on that one all right best action scene i had the fight with iceberg i had the rooftop fight okay either one of those is good i mean it's pure van damme he ha- like you said he has to like hold off on doing his roundhouse those which is kind mm-hmm. of funny because i didn't really think about it till you mentioned it and then i started replaying it in my head and you're like yeah i guess so he kind of acts like he doesn't know how to do three different types of martial arts. <laughs> Michael? Yeah, I had the fight with Icy as well. And if you notice in that scene, the woman, she's, she's very manly. She's oh, yeah. Strange. Her hands are like – and maybe they just took a dude's hand and painted fingernails on it, but she she throws down. She's like a seven-foot freaking penguin too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there's not a, a, you know, this is not a comedy, but the best comedic scene we can call it, I said the Van Damme on the phone with Hallmark. I thought there was a couple zingers in there that were pretty funny. Oh, I, I, my, I said the locker room scene. Oh, you know what? That's better. Like, the, my, like that favorite part where he's just, you know, put a jock on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's that's the, the best scene out of all of them is the their best comedic scene is the the locker room. I forgot about the locker room part. That would be my, I would say the yeah. funniest. The best character, Foss, but Powers yeah. both. Powers both. Yeah. Uh, the worst character, I don't think we even need to, to discuss this, but that daughter just has to go. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I said, I, I, said, I said, Emily or Tyler McCord can disappear for me. <laughs> yeah, they're, both kids are terrible, but Emily's worse. I think we only think that because Emily got more screen she time. She did get a lot of screen time. She she's involved a lot. And I get it. It's a dad. You need to have the dad get that dad uh insanity in him. But best line in the movie, I had two of them. We've already gone through them, but uh the agent's name was Eddie Klein. He has a five year old boy, a three year old girl, and his wife's pregnant, and Powers Booth responds with I'll send a card. And then Hallmark saying, Did you make contact with any of them? And Van Dam replied, I killed two of them. Does that count as contact? Those were my two favorites. I, I actually have your second line written down there as well, Ed. The one about con- have you made contact? And he's like, I yeah. killed two. Is that contact? I had that written down, and then I wrote down when he asks him, "What kind of lunatic are you?" And he just laughs. He's like, "Ha ha ha!" The best kind. The best kind. Yeah. It is a it is a nice <laughs> response by him. I liked uh, in the beginning when they hijacked the car. Too. You think it's going to be good? <laughs> yeah, that, that is a good response. <laughs> that is a perfect thing. If you ever get rear-ended, are you okay? Is it bad? Do you think this is good? Yeah. But other than that, I agree with, um, I had the killing and two, yeah. you know, I killed two. Yeah. All right. Some fun, interesting internet facts. We've gone through a couple of these, so I'll try and drop a few off. Uh, number one, Yomber Yager is, me- is minus three in the game. He is on yeah. the ice for all three goals scored, or three of the goals scored by Chicago. You can see him standing there. Apparently he was pissed about it too. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on IMDb, but you don't know whether or not he's on the ice for no, the Penguins true. goals. But they, they point that out. He said Yager was pissed that his number sixty-eight was on the ice for all three opposing goals, making him a minus three for the day. Yeah, so you're right though. We never see whether yeah. or not he's on the on the ice for the other ones. I'm sure he would have been on at the end with them trying to score. So at least he probably would have gotten that one back, but. According to the writer Randy Feldman, he wrote the first draft of the screenplay for the movie as a comedy action parody. The only scene that remained in the finished film was where Van Damme fights the Penguin mascot. 
For the record, I am all in on a comedy action movie parody of this movie. Yeah, uh, it writes itself. It would have been a little more like Top Secret or a little bit more like um, Naked Gun, but I, it would have been great. It would have been great. Next one I have, the role of Emily McCord was originally offered to Mara Wilson, who is the girl from Matilda and Mrs. Doubtfire and Miracle on 34th Street, but her parents said no because the script had a lot of violent content in it. She would have been better. She didn't really have much of a she was. She's had like a quasi-career after that, but she would have been better. A walrus would have been better, but... <laughs> yeah, she was really annoying. Because I think the idea is you really want like, oh my god, you got to save her, and like the whole time I'm like, oh man, yeah, she, like she's <laughs> she's so useless. All the other stuff we got into, including it shot though in the lockout, and they don't say Powers Booth's name. That's all I had. So, do you guys have anything else? I know Kennedy, you read some some other stuff. No, I think we covered maybe most of everything. The only other things I had was we talked about Schwarzenegger, Stallone, and Bruce Willis being offered, James Woods being considered. And then I guess I know none of the Blackhawks were authentic. They were played. Their whole team was played by a Penguin affiliate. Oh, really? I didn't know that one. Yeah. It was like AHL affiliate or ECHL, or I can't remember what league, but it's one of their minor league teams. But they had real numbers like Tony Amonti, you know, like. Did they have the names on the back maybe, too? I honestly didn't notice. Yeah. Like I reckon, I remember when I was a kid recognizing like certain ones. One of the Penguins minor leaguers played Chris Chelios. I think he scores a goal there. I can't remember. Tony Monte and Chris Chelios, I remember. But those those were two other of the than stars that. on Chicago at the time anyway, so makes sense. I think maybe at Belfour was the goalie. Can't remember. But but I'm pretty sure. All right. Most underrated scene. I just said anything with Mike Lang as a longtime Pittsburgh radio listener and you hearing his voice, it kind of it added some authenticity to us. It would, you know, if it's if this were the LA Kings playing, you know, the New York Rangers, we wouldn't have thought twice because we didn't know the voice. But for me, anything with Mike Lang kind of added a little bit to it. Oh, there's there's all kinds of like Pittsburgh nostalgia throughout. You know, just for every Pittsburgh Yinzer that likes Van Damme '90s, which is every Pittsburgh yes. Yinzer. Yeah. <laughs> Like I mean, you already mentioned it. Like the the advertisements around the the rink. I mean, there's just but yeah, Steigerwald, Lang, the, the little ESPN yeah, music the that they're playing in like was pretty pretty awesome too, as we said before. Before ESPN soured on yep. hockey. Well, that's because they threw all their money at the NBA, but and lost they lost the NHL yeah. games. That's a conversation right. for another day. Oh, ESPN. Uh, Mikey, anything? Uh, my most underrated scene I chose was when he is skating on the ice as Tolliver and the coach asks him, feeling better? And he shakes his head up and down. And he goes, then get the fuck in there. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that coach. I know he's insane looking, but I thought he was funny. Well, if I'm picking an underrated scene, I would say the carjacking. Yeah, like that's, that. that's a pretty good one. It's pretty good. It gets, it gets kind of thrown in there at the beginning. And then it gets immediately it's lost because it, you see the all the all the pieces start falling in place. Unintentionally funny. We've named all of these, but the "I love you" sign, Van Dam throwing the phone like a, a female sh- left-handed shot putter, 
I didn't move dad and my daddy's a fireman. Those are the four things that made me laugh the hardest. What well, they're not supposed to, but they made me laugh the hardest. I, I yeah, throw in the phone at the mirror. <laughs> throw in the phone at the mirror and I even say that your most underrated scene could be very unintentionally funny as well. Where he's like, oh, we lost our dog. That might have supposed to be a little bit funny. That might have that, that might have been intentionally, but all right. We're going to pull some strings here. Here comes the, I know it's a movie, but I already complained about the sun setting on when it should, should go or when, when they showed the beginning of the game. Here's one. When they show Hallmark on the phone, the first or maybe the second time, and he's in the, the van, he's in the uh, command center van, there's a hockey game on in the background, and it's the wrong hockey game. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. I didn't even the team in the that. background has black jerseys on, and they're not – Chicago black jerseys. It's just like random solid black jerseys. That one bothered me. Mm. Oh, yeah. Good eye. Uh, I already said how I said when Robitaille gets the puck and, and scores on the breakaway, the right, def- the right defense, the right defenseman is standing like right in place to break it up. My joke was that's a play even Chris Letang would make. <laughs> the roof is open, then they close it, then they reopen. I think we said that. Yeah, that's. And then so also I complained about how. You know, it's a game seven. They would have had almost no time to plan it, no time to plant the bombs, no time to know who would be hosting game seven. It never would have been able to have been done in the, the limited amount of time. Yeah, it's like, what, what, what happens if it ended in game, game six? six? Yeah, then what? Or, yeah, you have like maybe two, three games tops between game six and game seven, and you would have two weeks maximum amount of notice to know what arena it's going to be at. Now, I know his dudes run around and set all the bombs, but how would you know all the structural of the bombs like, and that the vice president was going to be there? You don't find out the vice president's coming to like the day of most of the time. They don't announce that well in advance. So that's my – I know it's a movie. Anything else, guys? No. Well, obviously the awesome helicopter scene. Yeah. <laughs> helicopter scenes. Including the, the also, do you notice during all the fight scenes in the kitchen, there's like food still just sitting there cooking. Yeah, where's the rest of the cooks? Well, I I know whenever he goes to take the food upstairs, he tells the rest of the cooks to leave, and he's a cook in their oh, station. Okay. But right. you wouldn't leave like the fryers on, and like with food in there, like you wouldn't do that kind of stuff. Like you wouldn't leave burgers like on like the grill and stuff. I'm like, what is going on? Here? They all just threw down a ninja smoke bomb and disappeared. And the thing is, it's been a long time since that scene happened, which means this stuff's not burnt yet either. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, what you did wings? What was it? Eight minutes? So those things have been in there for probably it's end of the first, so minimum thirty minutes. Those things have been cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else, Adam? Well, I already talked about like the lack of security, which you touched yeah. on. But it's been like nobody even goes up to the control room when it opens and closes. Like not even like security, just not like the guy that's in charge of that <laughs> doesn't like. Hey, yeah. what are you doing? You yeah. can't touch that. I, I, nobody. Yeah. Nobody's curious. I. I'm going with that. Like I know we talked about that too with. When ice iceberg, bad iceberg kills that person in the bathroom, like right yeah. in the middle, like yeah. it's like and like doesn't even the body like falls right out like easily too, and I'm just like, what? What do you? How this person would get? They would find this dead body, yes, and absolutely. Something 
something, some sort of panic would have been happening because it's an obviously murdered body too. It's not just like someone who died of a heart attack. And then also all these explosions that are going on outside, nobody inside can hear that. Yeah, yeah. There are rockets going off. Yeah. <laughs> and like cars are blowing up in I go, you would hear that inside. Absolutely. Yeah. You like, hear at least uh, something. The the vibrations alone you probably would at least sense. I mean, I know it's a big arena and there's a lot of noise going on, but Well plus for some of it the roof is Yeah, open. that's true. So it's like even even closer. Plus, I don't know. The action doesn't even stop when they, the roof opens. I think they're just still skating. The oh, yeah. I mean, everyone no one looks up and is like, oh, yeah, the roof's open. Hey. But, <laughs> all right. What would you change the movie? Straight up Emily. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm, all, I'm, all, right I'm, I'm going after her. I'm attacking. I mean, you can change up both kids. but You should. You should change up both kids. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the boy, he was probably like a, a hard Yeah, because he was in all those other like, movies. Yeah. He was... He's like a kid rock star yeah. at that point. Sleepless Seattle, he's like, I don't know, his stock was as high as, ever, as it's ever yeah. going to be, but he was awful. He was awful, too. too. Anything else that you would change about that version of Sudden Death? Hmm. All, all the bad stuff, I kind of, is part of the reason why I like the movie. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, just, well, that's a given, but also, since I was 10, I wanted the real penguins to be in the movie. Yeah. Like, not the guy with the cheesy mustache. I want the yeah. LMU. I want there's mullet. I want all of it. I want Joe Mullen. Shout out to the first American born player to score five hundred goals. He was just he's a role player on that team. Like they were just so, so good in the mid early yeah. and mid nineties. They were unbelievable. Until really until Lemieux got sick and got hurt. Yeah, even then, like there were games that he would have hat tricks that he couldn't bend over to tie his skates. <laughs> he wore tie his skate forms. His back hurt so bad. Stand up straight and score touchdown. goals. Or like, you know, three or five points. Just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Kennedy, you were rattling off the stats of the, the points those guys had in some of those seasons. If anybody had, I mean, Connor Mc, yeah, Connor McDavid led the league in points. had like 106 this year. And you're talking about three guys on the team having over 140 points. It's just outrageous. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find that exact. And the thing now, like, it should be more wide open. Like, you couldn't have a two-line pass back then. Like, there's – the rules actually favor I think offense. it's the goaltending is too good. Well, everything's better. I mean, their, yeah. their diets are better. I feel like it's evening out because guys are – like their training regimens. There's an I don't know. yeah. I just, that's how athletes were back then. There's an infamous story of Larry Bird after I don't know the '85 season or something, and they said, "What's your off-season workout going to program, program going to be?" He said, "Less cheeseburgers and beer," and he like meant it. <laughs> and then there's that infamous. I mean, this is a little older, but God, whoever the quarterback was for the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl three, he's sitting there at halftime smoking. <laughs> Just such a different right. – it just seems insane now. You know, the athletes, you are right. They're, they're so finely tuned. Jobs, like, yeah. you know, this wasn't a full-time job. They're just, oh, let me go pitch the World Series and then – Go back to you – know, Go back to selling yeah, cars. Selling cars and picking up garbage. All right, so here comes uh, – Mike, while you look that up, this is my favorite thing to do is should it be remade and who should be in the remake? 
And I think this movie is prime for it. I am all in, like I said, I'm all in the idea of doing a comedy action thriller-ish type. Um, I think it could do better with, with some one-liners delivered. I've got some characters for the re- for some of these people. Let me know where you guys stand on them. For McCord, John Cena. <laughs> for the vice president, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> for Foss, I like this as a little twist and a little a little nod to a little tip of the cap. Bruce Willis. And then for the Good Secret enough. Service agent, we're gonna switch it up a little bit. Hillary Swank will be the dirty secret service agent because yeah, she'll be the hallmark. Um, whether her name's hallmark or not, I'm not going to try and get into kids because I don't know kids from TV shows and movies well enough. As we said with the Sandlot, you don't sometimes at that age and there's not a lot out there that I'd say, Oh, we'll grab that one. We'll grab that one. Um, I don't watch enough TV or no Cena's not old enough. So if you had a little older McCord, you could have older kids that are like Maggie Grace wasn't taken, you know, a little older than they would be. But I, I think John Cena would be fun as McCord. Thoughts? Maggie Grace may be older, but she runs like she's four. Yes. She runs like her arms are broken. <laughs> All right. That's just a side note. That's I... a, side, a sidebar. When we do Taken, we'll spend 15 minutes on her running. But <laughs> So annoying. But uh, my remake, I only – I had uh, McCord as Tom Hardy and Bowser Foss as uh, Kevin Spacey. Okay. But that – I'll agree to those, but you're, that's a much darker version. Yeah. I mean, I had it as like a real one. Yeah. You know. And I don't, I don't think you listen to the one of Payback. And I don't want us to go to Tom Hardy every time. We like the idea of doing Payback but with Tom Hardy. And I think he would be awesome for, he'd be good for both, but I know Cena can throw down cause we've seen him throw down, um, and a lot of stuff and Tom Hardy can too. He can fight for sure. What uh, was it? 12 rounds or whatever it was. That was actually, I like that movie. I never saw 12 rounds. I've seen the, um, the wrestler. No, not the wrestler. Um, the Marine. No, not the. Oh, you're talking about for Cena. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I thought you meant for Tom Hardy. Yeah. No, in the Marine, I know he throws down for sure. He he's pretty good at fighting that. Mike, who'd like you have it. written down? I kind of like said if you, I'm changing the ages a little bit. Okay, I'm okay like with I, that. I, I kind of reversed. Like I had a little bit older McCord as Jason Statham, and then as a, as the main as Foss, I had uh, Tom Hiddleston. Interesting. You came back to Hiddleston. You can take take that. It could be serious, or you could make it both lighthearted because they do both those types of movies. Yeah, Statham's good uh, when it comes to adding in, like, um, kind of like mocking entertainment. You have two British guys that probably have never seen a hockey game, but that's true. I digress. Well, you've also got a a dude from Belgium that's probably never seen a hockey game either. (laughs) What are you talking about? He was semi pro. Yeah. Canada. That's true. Yeah. French Canadian semi pro. All right. Any other thoughts on the movie? Anything else you want to add in? I want that remake. I do. <laughs> I want it's, it's, it's ready for it. And this is one thing that uh, I think the NHL has done a horrible job of is one way to draw attention to your sport is get a movie made about it. 
And NHL, I know it's got a, a nice following now, but if they want to get a little more mainstream following and add some revenue, you need some type of movie. And the only hockey movie of the last 15 years I can really think of is Goon and the second one they just made recently. And those are both like B-list movies. Uh, Tooth Fairy? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yes, the Tooth Fairy. Um, I, had a, I had another uh, guy that possibly could play Foss. Brian Cox. Who? Brian Cox. Oh, if, yeah. Old yeah. yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen the new... Uh, okay. uh, yeah, the new... Super Troopers, Super so Troopers. I don't know how much he's aged since the last one. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. But he's got the, the wit for it. But I don't know um, if he'd fit as the right the right bad guy. I don't know what kind of movies he's done recently. He's in like a like a dramatic uh, like financial I don't know if it's HBO or Showtime. One of those that keeps showing advertisements when I when I go to watch stuff, but it, he looks like a like a bad guy in that one. He's like a CEO of a gigantic company or something. So of course, seems like he plays it well. I I only have seen some of his stuff, but I could but see that guy. That'd be solid. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, send suggestions over to us. Follow us on Twitter at Worth the Watch PC. Email us at worththewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Send us suggestions, uh, things you like, things we, we may have missed while we, while we went through this movie or other movies we've done in the past. And um, email us any ideas. We'll, we may read them on, on the air. We've gotten a couple good ones, but uh, mainly just through close contact. So we, we want more feedback. The more, the better. Overall, thanks, Adam, for being our special guest this week. You're welcome, Edward. And Mike, we'll we'll talk. We'll we'll do the next one. Uh, what's our next movie? Constantine, with Keanu Reeves. So look for that in about two weeks. All right. Thanks for joining, guys. All right. Sounds good. Later.